0: Hello, everyone. This is Tara, and this is God Talk with Tara. We're going to go ahead and kick off with prayer tonight, as we always do, and then we're going to hop into um, an interesting topic with God tonight. Father God, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for your love. Thank you, Father, for your provision. Lord, I pray tonight that you would open our ears to hear your words, that you would give me your words to speak, that you would make me small, Father God, and amplify who you are, that we would hear your word, Lord God, and that it would help us to understand who you are in our lives and what it means for you to be our God and our Lord and our provider, and our healer and comforter, mm, our all-in-all. Father, your word has so many ways of describing your abundance and your grace, and we so frequently misunderstand it one way or another, and just, Father, I pray that you would give me words to be clear tonight, that you would help us to hear what it is that you have to say. We thank you for that in Jesus' name and by your spirit and all for your glory. Amen. Um, so it's been a weird day. That that seems to be a common theme in <laughs> It's always a little bit of a weird day when you're following God. I think, um, which is awesome and wonderful. My my daughter, I told her she was a, or my granddaughter, I told her she was a weirdo tonight, and she was very sad. She's like, I get picked on for that, and I'm like, don't don't be getting picked on. I find that to be a um, a compliment. The world thinks that it's it's not good to be weird, but quite frankly, God is strange. He is supernatural. He is outside of our ordinary and. He sees things and does things in ways that we don't really comprehend, so they leave us in awe, but it's not that they're abnormal or um, against what we know. It's that there's something higher and more and better, and so I'm... Going to talk a little bit tonight about the concept of provision, and it's really interesting because I want to say that this came from the wake up call this morning with Dan Wilt, and to some degree it did. Um, we were discussing the concept of generosity and the understanding that everything we have belongs to God, and if we understand all of our possessions, um, whether that is the house that we live in, the food that we eat, and the car that we drive, or whether it is the family that God has gifted us as people to love in our lives and that we have been given the responsibility to steward those relationships. If we understand that all of that, including ourselves, our time, and our talents, our treasures, our people, all of it belongs to God, and we have it on loan. We have it because he has given it to us, Um, for his purposes and his time. And when I say purposes and time, a lot of times we think practicality, right? So he gives us these things to be practical. And so we must not be um, wasteful. And to some degree, we want to be mindful and not be wasteful. But God is a God of abundance and he loves us. He does not desire us to walk around in a mentality of scarcity where we do not take joy in the gifts that he's given us, whether that is the people that he has placed in our lives and in our path or whether it is um, the money that he has is, is paid us for jobs done or that has come by other means. Whatever it is that God has given us, He intends for us to take joy in it because joy is a part of who God is, and it's a part of who He has created us to be. We look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, and joy is right up there with love and peace. It's right there at the beginning. Joy is a function of our maturity, as disciples of Christ and as followers of God. And so if if our goal is to take joy in life in general, then we should have joy in the gifts that our Father delights to give us. Um, At the same time, not all of the gifts are going to be tangible and not all of them are going to be spiritual. And we have this really hard time as human beings. We tend to want to either be super, super duper focused on the physical aspects of our needs and God as provider. And when we get like that, we wind up with what a lot of people call the prosperity gospel, where it's all about naming and claiming what you think God is supposed to be giving you. Um, And it becomes a lot about a bigger house and a bigger car and a lot of other tangible physical things. And the basis for that kind of mentality comes from scripture. It's not that it's unbiblical to have those thoughts that God is your provider when it comes to those things, um, because God does provide in scripture in multiple ways, and sometimes he provides very extravagantly in a physical sense. Uh, But at the same time, Our physical stuff is not really the point of our existence here on earth. It's there as a tool in a lot of ways. And yes, we are to take joy in it because we are to take joy in our lives and the things that God calls us to do, even in our struggles and our trials and our difficulties. So we know that joy is not dependent on the things we've been given, right? Um, and then we flip to the other side of that in, in pushback in response to getting out of balance toward the physical aspect of things. And God's provision is all about the spiritual aspects. God is our, our provider and he will comfort us and he will love us and he will heal us emotionally and mentally and spiritually. And he will support us when we are struggling, as we sit in our poverty and we sit in our abject misery, physically speaking, and and God doesn't do physical things, that all of the talk in scripture about provision and physical manifestations of the power of God is simply allegorical, and not really meant to be taken literally, that God will do those things for us. Uh, And oftentimes, we don't think in those ways out loud. In other words, you don't probably walk around in your life thinking to yourself, well, God doesn't actually do healing. And so I'm not going to expect him to actually do healing. I'm going to ask him to heal me, but really, I'm going to go take my aspirin. Um... Or, you know, God doesn't really do provision. I'm going to ask for his provision, but then I'm going to go looking for a second job so that I can pay my bills. Now, I have to tell you, there's nothing wrong with getting a second job. There's nothing wrong with taking your aspirin unless you're me and God says don't. Um, But the fact of the matter is, is the underlying assumption that God did not mean those things, When he said he would provide, is a serious problem in today's church. And it's a serious problem that we have because when we don't believe in our heart of hearts that God is our provider, that everything we have physically comes from him, that none of it belongs to us and none of it is actually ours by our own effort. See, this is a real problem for us here in the United States. We have it in our minds. That the things that we have, we have because of our own effort. That we have our house because we went and got a mortgage. We worked really hard. We built a great credit rating. And so we could go buy a mortgage and then we could go get a house. And that's why we have a house is because we worked really, really hard. And so it is our house. And this is the idea that we have in our in our society. But God tells us it's not actually the truth. It's what we think, but it's not actually the truth. God gives us everything we have. And had he not chosen to give you whatever house or car you have, you would not have it. And when he chooses to remove it from you, you will not have it. And that is a, a difficult thing for us to understand, but it's something we really have to come to. And I'm going to kind of explain why at, at, as we move on. But first, I want to look at the actual scripture that, that tells me that this is true. Okay, so we're going to start with Psalm 23. This is one of my very favorite psalms. Most people think of it as a, a funeral psalm, and I guess I kind of understand that. But the truth is, it's really not about dying. The Psalm 23 is not about dying. It is about God as our provider. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, This is really poetic language here, and it's very easy for us to get caught up in the the poetry of it and to think of it in very spiritual terms. But when we look at what David is writing about here with the Lord as his shepherd, and we remember what David has gone through in his life, where he's been on the run and God has sustained him with people who warned him when his enemies were coming with places where he could get food and where him and his men could be safe. Um, he, he provided for David throughout his whole life. And sometimes that was a provision of courage and encouragement and, and guidance to David. But sometimes that was a very physical thing. It was bread and it was a sword and it was a stone that went into the head of a giant and it was oil that was poured out over him to anoint him as king. And it was a family and children to come after him in a succession. And it was the building up of Jerusalem and it was the conquering, physically conquering his enemies God was David's provider. And when you read the psalm here, David is talking about how God was his provider. So, God was his shepherd. He watched over him and he protected him. When he talks about lying down in green pastures, that was food for the sheep, right? And besides still waters, that was water. So, God provided the sustenance. That David needed the physical sustenance that he needed restores my soul so he provided the cleansing the spiritual cleansing and the guidance into righteousness he provided David with the name of Yahweh and then he protects him as he walks through the valley of the shadow of death as he walks before his enemies God's rod and his staff are there to guide him where he needs to go to keep him on the path that will keep him safe and to protect him against the things that will come against him and then not only did God give him grass and the the, the waters which is sort of like a normal daily sustenance, God actually prepares a feast for him is what this looks like right this preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He prepares a feast, he is extravagant with David in front of his enemies to anoint him as king, to allow his enemies to see that the Most High God, in the midst of his struggles, in the midst of his trials, in the midst of his trouble, and in the dangerous places, that the Most High God has provided him with everything that he could possibly need extravagantly. Okay, so that's the picture that is painted by this particular psalm, but we're still feeling a little poetic here, so we're going to move on to some less poetic language. Uh, Part of me wants to go to Matthew where Jesus says, you know, why do you worry about these things God provides for the sparrow and the the grass of the fields and all of that, but I'm going to come to a different place about Jesus in a minute. First, we're going to go back a little ways. We're going to go into Exodus. Um, the, the scribes of the scripture group has been writing through the Bible for the last little over a year. I am woefully behind and not anywhere near catching up, but I do kind of keep track of where they're at. So I found it kind of cool that God brought me to Exodus because they're kind of in the middle of Exodus right now. And where God brought me is in Exodus 16, the Israelites have just passed through the Red Sea. God has drowned the Egyptians. He, he parts the Red Sea and the Israelites walk through on dry land. And after they get to the other side, the Lord allows the sea to come back and drown all of Pharaoh's army. And so not only has he delivered the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he has annihilated their enemies. And he has brought them into um, this new place on the other side of the Red Sea where they are safe from their Egyptian slave masters. And the people are grumbly. <laughs> so first they're upset because they don't have water and, and God shows Moses a, a stick to throw in the, um, the waters of Mara and, and it turns it from being bitter to being sweet. And then they set out from Elim, and this is where we're going to pick up. So they set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger Now remember this these are the same people that you know a couple months back before this had been crying out to God at the oppression of the Isra- or of the Egyptians Um, and how horrible the Egyptians had been to them. They were crying out to the Lord, crying out for deliverance, and the Lord now has delivered them. And a very few short days later, they're grumbling about that God should have just let them die in Egypt. It would have been so much better than being out here being hungry. And so the response is, the Lord said to Moses, behold, For what are we that you grumble against us? When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Um, so I'm not going to not gonna keep going on. But he says that at twilight they'll eat meat and in the morning they will be filled with bread. And so the Lord in the evening, he brings a bunch of quail over that covers the camp. And then in the morning, he sends manna from heaven. That's like the finest flake-like food that they can make into bread or cakes or um, all sorts of different ways of cooking this manna and preparing it for them to eat. And so the Lord, in response to the need of the Israelites, provides them with food. And he doesn't just provide them with any food. He provides them with both meat and bread in the form of manna. And he provides it in a way that allows them to have it every single day, including enough for them to take a Sabbath on the day he has commanded them to take off. And he does this for 40 years. Now, I'm not going to go to the end of this, but he does this for 40 years. He provides the Israelites with manna from heaven and with meat for them to be able to eat and for them to be able to thrive in the wilderness with all of their flocks. The Lord has sent them out with all sorts of stuff. Now, remember, too, that he sent them out of Egypt with gold and silver that they had asked for from their neighbors. Their neighbors gave them gold and silver. They took all of their flocks with them. They took all of their possessions with them when they left Egypt. And now the Lord is providing them with their daily bread every single day. And he promises to do this until he brings them into the promised land. And then when he brings them into the promised land, we fast forward this story of the 40 years, he brings them into the promised land and they begin to eat the fruit of the land that the Lord has given them. They don't have to wait to plant it. They don't have to wait for it to grow. They begin to eat the fruit of the land that is already there and present and ready that the Lord gives them when he brings them into this space. And so we have a very physical response from God to the Israelites that gives them a very physical response provision for their needs now God had also said in the chapter previous to this that he would not visit the diseases on them that he had visited upon the Egyptians as long as they followed his law and so God has promised to preserve them physically From illness, to preserve them physically from starvation and hunger and privation, to provide for them everything that they need. And he proceeds to do this for 40 years and then he proceeds to do it after that in the land of Israel that he had promised to give them. And throughout the Old Testament, you see God spiritually, mentally, and physically providing for and protecting his people. Uh, So we're going to fast forward to Matthew, because as Christians, we're like, okay, well, we're on the other side of the law. (laughs) Now we got Jesus and it works a little bit different. Um, And in some ways that may be a little true. It does. We we don't slaughter lambs and, and things like that anymore. Um. But the reality is, is Jesus was all about meeting every need of his people. And God was able to meet the physical needs of his people. So one of the stories in in Matthew that I always love, and it always cracks me up, but it always gives me hope when I'm in times of struggle and when I am in times of want and times of need is this this passage here. And I love this passage because it gives us the reminder that God in Jesus is still in the business of providing for the things that we need and providing for the things that that we require to do the work God has set us to doing. And so we're here at the end of chapter 17. We're going to pick up in verse 24. Um, Jesus has just been out performing miracles. He's been out, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration just transpired and he came down and cast out the, the demon from the child that had had it in it for years. Um, and as they are going on from there, uh, it says when they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? And he said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel, take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. So Jesus's response to a need for money. Now, it is very probable that Jesus may have already had money and he was doing this to uh, make a point with his disciples or make a point with the tax collectors. I don't know. But what I do know is that here in this space, Jesus's response to a need for money was not what we would think. Now, granted, Peter was a fisherman. Jesus could have told him to go fishing and bring his net in and go sell the fish, and then that would give them money to pay the taxes. That's not what he said. What he said is go take a hook and catch a fish, and that fish is going to have money in its mouth. As my son would say, money comes in the mail. Um, and and it's funny because he is, I don't know where he is with God right now. But what I do know is that he grew up with God and he grew up watching God being faithful to our needs. And that was what he he came away with is money comes in the mail. That when we need things, when we desire things that are in line with God's will for us, God provides what we need when we come to him asking, um, because he does own the cattle on a thousand hills, because he is the God of heaven, because he will provide for his people. And this is the, the way that God moves. Now, I want you to understand, um, We get confused about whether it's just the spiritual or just the healing or just the the financial or just the this or the that. God does not get confused. And here is what we need to understand about ourselves as human beings. As C.S. Lewis puts it, we're spirits that happen to have a body. But we do have a body. The Lord created us as integrated beings that have minds, that have emotions, that have a spirit and a soul, and that have physical bodies. And he created us for all four of those areas of being to work together and to thrive when all four of them have what they need. And so God provides for us in all of those ways. He provides for us spiritually and mentally and emotionally and physically. He is our Lord and Master. He is responsible for us and for what we need. He has taken that responsibility on himself, and that was the promise that he has made to his people. When Jesus says that your Father in heaven knows you need all these things that the Gentiles chase after, and he will give them to you if you seek his kingdom first— That is a promise that the Lord of heaven has made to his people that God will give you what you need as you are pursuing the kingdom of heaven. As you are pursuing what the Lord puts in front of you as the work that he has created for you to do. And so we as a people need to orient ourselves that way because if we don't, If we don't, what happens is we try to pursue the work of God and the kingdom of God in our own power and in our own ability, and it's small. We will miss what God is trying to do to build his kingdom if we are focused on what we can provide in that process, because it's not about what we can provide. It's what he provides in that process. And so if we forget that he is the one that is responsible for the physical stuff, not just the spiritual stuff, but for the physical stuff as well, then we will not pursue the things that God desires to give us we saw that in exodus later on when they reached the shores of the jordan and they send the spies over to to scope out the land over there in israel or canaan at the time and the spies come back and 10 of them are like Look at all this massive fruit and it's going to be great, but there's giants over there and we're toast. We can't do that. There are these big people over there that are going to kick our butts. We can't go and take that land. And they ignore the fact that God had promised that that was theirs. Not only had he promised that it was theirs, he had promised that he would deliver them into it. And that he would carry them and protect them and watch over them and provide for them. And so when they rejected that, they ended up wandering in the desert, eating manna and pigeons for 40 years. Now God still provided. But that whole generation missed out on the larger provision that God had intended for them. Now, I am not saying that all of us as Christians are going to start praying for mansions and multi, you know, $100,000 cars. That's not the point of what I'm saying. We're not to pursue earthly wealth. That's not what we're here for. But we are to pursue the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God frequently requires large things that we can't figure out how to pay for and that we can't figure out how to provide. And we have to trust the Lord and follow his guidance and believe that he will take care of it, that he will tell us the fish to go and catch, or that he will show us the green pasture that we are to lay down and wait in, and that he will provide for us, that he will send manna from heaven to create a feast for us in front of our enemies. He is able to do those things. He is the God of the universe, he is the the Lord of creation, and all of this belongs to him, and he is able, he is able to move through his people, to move through this world, to move through donkeys, and to move through pagan kings, to bless his people in the work that he calls them to do, and to love his people and to help them to know that they are beloved children of God in ways that will communicate that to the world in whatever circumstance they're in. Now, this has come up a lot today, partly with the the wake up call, because this morning, Kenny and I were talking about the questions there. And one of the questions that Dan had asked was about, you know, how would it change if we stopped talking about our stuff as our stuff, and we started talking about it as we're stewards of the things that God has given us? And Kenny and I have both had a lot of experience with poverty. Um, we've had some, some experience with um, <laughs> a car being repossessed. Not that was he was very little at the time. Uh, we've had some experience with figuring out what it means to be fully reliant on the provision of God. Because there were a lot of years in in my life where I had to be fully reliant on the provision of God. And the more I leaned into God, the more amazed I always was at how he took care of the things we needed. Now, most of the time, it wasn't terribly extravagant. It was making sure that we had food to eat. It was manna from heaven and pigeons at night. And we had what we needed to get through and we were joyful in that. And then there were other times when he was extravagant and we had more than we needed. And in those moments, typically speaking, my response was to fund things at church or other, because when he would give me things and he would give us funding, it was almost invariably coupled with things that he had in mind for me to do with that. So that was sort of the foundation this morning, but there have been conversations with the church that I am affiliated with moving forward. You know, they're in a a state of transition. We have a preschool that is praying that is praying for God's provision. uh, That is praying that the Lord will open a way where there's no way. And he is saying that he will, but it requires a step of faith to believe that he is going to provide in ways that we really don't understand and can't really imagine. Um, and on top of all that right now, it struck me, we've got, I, I was asked to go to Cuba on a trip um, by God uh, through, through a gentleman uh, at our church. And I said, yes, that I would go. And I had been expecting information on how to do fundraising because I've never done a mission trip before. Um, and that's, you know, kind of an expensive prospect. And I was like, um, Lord, you're going to have to help out with that. Cause I don't, I don't know exactly how I'm going to do that. And because of all of the turmoil going on, the trip is still going on, but a lot of the information has been not coming out as far as I would expect a little bit more information normally on something like that. And so we're coming up on the next deadline for funding and I have not really done any kind of fundraising. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do about that because that's, you know, that's going to be pushing th- things. I don't know that I can come up with um, $1,000 on short notice and then another 900 a month later, that's going to be a lot of money. For us, that's a lot of money. It may not, not be for everybody, but it is for us. Um, and so I'm like, all right, Lord. I trust that you're going to open the door for this because you told me I was supposed to go. And so I'm in that position right now. And then last night he was pressing on the idea of starting a Patreon account or I already had one set up, but, but attaching this to that. And so tonight I'm going to do something that I probably won't do on a regular basis. Um, But that was actually part of what he told me tonight with this is to to talk about that. If you are listening to this podcast, I am going to ask you to do a couple of things. The first one is I'm going to ask you to pray for me um, because it is not always easy to make the time to do this every night. Um, as you've noticed, there have been some hit and miss spots where I got busy with other things. So I would ask that you would pray that you would pray that the Lord will do what he, he intends with us, that you will pray that he will continue to give me things to say. Um, and that you would just pray for God's kingdom to be expanded in this. The second thing I would ask you to do is if you find value in this and you know other people who need to hear from the Lord, I would ask that you would share the podcast with them. Um, authenticwitness.org is my main blog site where this posts from. Uh, people can find the information they need there in order to be able to you know, catch up and get subscribed on their favorite podcasting site. Or they can go look me up on, um, they can look up God Talk with Tara on most of the main podcasting services like the Google Podcasts. And uh, I think it's on Pandora and Spotify and a couple of the other ones too. All of those buttons are there on the Authentic Witness posts so they can get to them there. Um, and the third thing I would ask you is if you are feeling nudged to partner with this, um, this growing the kingdom. There are so many people out there growing the kingdom. So if you're not feeling led to, to do that here, then that's fine. Um, but if you are feeling led to partner with growing the kingdom through the God talk website or the God talk with Tara podcast, um, I do have a Patreon account set up. I don't know how the custom donations work, but right now there's like one level that's $5 a month. Um, and kind of what I'd like to do with that is not just a financial contribution. The The benefit I set up with that, because you're supposed to do that, the benefit I set up with that is actually that those who are financial supporters, those who are partners and patrons of this, um, will get an email address where you can send questions about scripture, that you can send questions about what you're studying in the Bible, that you can send questions that will give me things that God can speak to, um, and that you can hear, and you can have a conversation, because what that'll be is on Saturday night, I will pick one topic from people that have asked and invite that person to Uh, Join me either on Discord or Zoom, and we can talk about the question that you have. Because we're not actually supposed to do this whole unwrapping the scripture in a vacuum. That's not an individual process. It is actually something that we are supposed to do in community with one another. And so I'd like to sort of open this up a little bit one night a week to allow for that kind of community. So if you would be interested in becoming a a partner in this, um, and you would be interested in helping, um, with the financial end of it, that would be awesome. But also seriously, uh, with questions and with a willingness to maybe be a conversation partner sometimes about who God is and what he's doing and what his word says and how he's revealed himself. Um, I would be delighted. And I'm really excited that that God placed that in my mind. I was blessed to get to go out with some of my girls for lunch this week from my women's group at the church we were at um, most recently before now, before we moved. I miss my friends. It was a beautiful time. Uh, But that was probably my very favorite thing about it. We got to have a really great lunch. But my favorite thing was that when we got back to my house, we sat in the car for a minute and just talked about a question that my friend um, Ingrid had about God. And I I love those conversations. So I would really like to share those conversations with some of you if you would be interested. Um, So that's all for tonight. Father God, thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, and your love. Thank you for your messages. And Father, thank you Thank you for your provision, for all that we need, for our spiritual well-being, for our minds. Lord God, you give us things to think about. You you allow us to contemplate you and, and wonder at who you are. And thank you, Father, for the, the love and the grace that you give to fill our emotional need, God, for relationship with you. And thank you, Lord, for your physical provision that you meet all the things that we need, for everything that you call us to, Lord God. We're so grateful for all of that. We're so grateful for your son. We ask all of this, Lord, tonight in Jesus' name and by your spirit and all for your honor and glory. Amen. Be blessed and be a blessing.